Hey, good morning, Gospel Hope. And uh, today we're going to dive back into our identity series and look at Ephesians chapter 4 once again. Today we'll be picking up in verses 7 through 16. And the title of the message is simply Intertwined. Uh, let's pray before we look at God's Word together. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things in your law. Show us your goodness. Show us your glory. Uh, hide me behind the cross of Christ. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Um, redwoods or sorcoia trees are some of the largest trees on the planet. In fact, some of them can get almost 400 feet tall. But there's something very amazing about these mammoth structures. And it's not just their size or their girth or their weight. The fact of the matter is, it is their root system. You know, even though these trees stretch way up into the air, the vast majority of their roots only go about three feet underground. So how do these massive structures hold themselves up when their roots don't run that deep, relatively speaking? Well, the answer is, is that sequoias not only put their roots out far, they intertwine them with one another. They gain their stability and strength by tying their root systems together. It's not just one tree holding itself up. It's all the trees holding one another up. I mention this because I think, yet again, this is a wonderful picture of God's design for his people. To put it simply, in the church, our strength is to be shared. We are to intertwine our roots together. So it's not just me holding myself up. But we are holding one another up. We share our strength. Last week in the first part of this chapter, we saw that believers are to follow Christ together. And here in the next several verses, the Apostle Paul develops this idea further by reminding us that we all have a role to play in the church's mission. We can see this just in Paul's use of pronouns. Look at chapter 4, verse number 13. It says this, Until we all reach the unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God. Chapter 4, verse 14. Then no longer, then we will no longer be children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. And then verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. It's not you or me or them. You see, in the church, the we is always greater than the me. We have to think of one another. It's not just about how I'm doing. It's how we are doing together. If we are following Christ, our spiritual well-being is not the bottom line. We also need to be concerned about the well-being of our fellow believers. The reality is, is that we are our brother's keeper. Or if I could put it very simply, the mission belongs to all of us. The mission is not the job of certain super elite commando Christians. The mission of the church belongs to every brother and sister in Christ. The progress and the health of the church is not the responsibility of a select few. Which leads me to my point this morning. Very simply, we must all embrace the church's mission. That's what I want to encourage us to do today. All of us to fully embrace the church's mission. It's not their mission. It's our mission. It's something that we embrace together. So this raises the question, right? What is that mission? 
as we've said at Gospel Hope, we believe that the church is called to make disciples who are growing in three relationships. Growing in their relationship with God, upward, in their relationship with other believers, inward, and in their relationship with the world, outward, mission. This is a, the, the idea of a healthy, vibrant church. People that are growing together in their relationship with the Lord, in their relationship with other believers, and their relationship with the world. And this is obviously no small feat. So how do we begin to own that wide encompassing, that vast mission? How do we say, I'm going to fully embrace what God has called the church to do? Not for them, not for those people, but for me. How am I going to embrace this mission with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Fortunately, I, I believe that this is the very question that this text of Scripture answers for us this morning. So I want to talk to you very simply about embracing our mission. How do we do this? Well, I want to offer three suggestions this morning. The first is simply this, rely on Christ's supply. If you're anything like me and you start to think about the scope of what we're called to do, make disciples of all nations, help everybody grow in their relationship with God, with other believers and the world. I don't know about you, but I start to feel a little intimidated. I mean, how am I supposed to help other people grow? How am I supposed to help people come to know the Lord when, when it seems like I have a hard time keeping my own self together? But unsurprisingly, the Lord has not only called us on this mission of making disciples, he has also made sure that we have the supplies we need. Look at verse 7, if you would. Now, grace was given to each one of us. Catch that. Each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. What, what this is saying is that each believer, each one of us has been given a gift from Christ himself. I want you all to hear that. In a sense, you could say every believer is an essential worker. You know, that's language we're familiar with right now because of the pandemic, but this is what the scripture is really plainly teaching. Every believer has been gifted by Christ himself. What is more, the gifts that Christ gives are directly linked to the task that he has called us to achieve. If you could get a mental picture in your mind, it's like Christ says to us, go dig a hole, and then he begins to pass out shovels to all of us. The task and the gift fit together like a hand and a glove. Or as the famous missionary Hudson Taylor said it, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. So as believers, if we are to really accomplish Christ's mission, if we're to lean into the mission of the church, we have to begin to rely on the supplies that Christ himself gives to us. So what are these gifts? What gifts does Christ give us in order to achieve the mission of the church? Skip down to verse number 11. Look at what it says. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Now, let me be honest with you. There has been so much ink spilled over this single verse. I mean, there are volumes and volumes written about what exactly this verse means. And there's no way we're going to unearth all of this in the next few moments together. But I think we could really distill it down to its essence. And what I think this passage is teaching is that the church will always need advancement from apostolic type people. 
It will always need challenge from prophetic type people. It will always need proclamation from evangelist type people. It will always need care from pastoral type people. And it will always need instruction from teacher type people. And fortunately, these are exactly what Christ gave to his bride to ensure the success of her mission. And listen, these gifts that Christ gives to his people didn't come cheap. Look at verse number eight. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to his people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens to fill all things. So that's a mouthful, but what does that all mean? It means in part, at least, that Jesus came to earth. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died and rose victoriously in our place. And one day we'll return as king and ruler of the earth to make sure that we would have what we need to carry out the mission that he has called us to. Listen to this statement. Christ's death ensured that Christ's people are empowered. Christ's death ensured that Christ's people are empowered. These gifts that God gives to his people are a big deal. They are blood-bought, custom-crafted for the specific job that God has called us to do in the world. The question I would ask all of us this morning is simply this. Are you leveraging all that you are to see the mission advanced, sin challenged, the gospel proclaimed, people cared for, and the word explained? Because Christ has gifted you to do just that. As Peter says later on in the scripture, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. The way we carry out the church's mission is by relying on the supply that Christ himself died to purchase for us. We don't have to get creative. We don't have to give clever. We don't have to figure out how we're going to have the resources we need to do what Christ has called us to do. He died to give us the tools that we would need to pursue his mission in the world. But that's not the only thing that we do to embrace fully Christ's mission for us. Uh, the second thing is this, we need to remain with Christ's strategy. So Christ has given us the right tools for the job. We already saw that. But here's the thing, just because you have the right tool doesn't mean that you are using it in the right way. You know, I, I remember several years ago, my wife came home with this little doohickey right here. And this is a pampered chef can opener. Now, if you look at it closely and you've been around the kitchen for more than five minutes, you know that it's not like a typical can opener. I mean, usually they got the handles and you squeeze them together and you put them on the side of the can and crank, crank, crank away. Well, I remember reaching in the drawer and pulling this thing out and saying, okay, that's obviously a can opener and then trying to get it on the can but I'd never seen it operate I didn't know exactly how it worked it has a little button on here I wasn't sure what was going on so even though I had the right tool I didn't have the right strategy as it were 
I was trying to figure out how this worked. I had the right tool for the job, but didn't know how to employ it. In a similar sense, though the Lord has provided us with the tools we need to fulfill the church's mission, we also need to use the tools in the way that they were designed to be used. That is, we need to follow the Lord's strategy. Look, the church should always be looking for creative and innovative ways to advance Christ's mission. If you've been around Gospel Hope and you've been watching during this pandemic, you know that that is something that we view very importantly. We should be leveraging our creativity and our innovation to be able to carry out the mission that Christ has called us to do. But we need to remember that the fundamental strategy that Christ has called us to never changes. Look again at verse number 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Well, why did Christ give these gifts to his people? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. So the purpose of these gifts, these tools, these resources that God has given his church is to equip the saints. Now, saints there in this passage doesn't mean like super holy people, but it's just the Bible's way of referring to everybody who trusts in Jesus. In in other words, these gifts are given so that everybody who trusts in Jesus would be equipped to do the work of the ministry. And when everybody, every believer is doing the work of the ministry, the result is that the church grows. Okay, okay, time out. If that's correct, which it is, then for many of us, that would mean a paradigm shift. You see, what this means is that all Christians are called to ministry. Now, I don't mean that in a vocational or a professional sense, but I do mean it in a very real way. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to do the work of the ministry. Notice again what the passage says. These gifts are given to equip the saints, that's just regular believers, to do the work of the ministry. Too often, um, really sincere and well-meaning followers of Jesus think ministry, well, that's the job of the pastors. But according to this passage, ministry does not belong exclusively to the professional Christians like Rod and I, you know, leave it to the pros, like these guys are, they're the professional Christians. No, it belongs to all of us. You know, as many of you know, I I am fond of saying that Christianity is a team sport. It's not an individual sport. But I would also add to this idea, it's also not a spectator sport. It's like the difference between a, a concert and karaoke night. Let me illustrate. You know, when you go to a concert, well, why do you go there? Well, you go to sit and observe to spectate the performer, the expert, get up on the stage and do their thing. Basically, you sit there passively and watch the person up on the stage do the singing. Well, that's very different from a karaoke night. That is, when you're at a party and there's a karaoke machine, It's for everyone to participate, even if, and maybe especially if, you don't sing very well. Well, That's the idea in ministry. Ministry's not just the job of the pros, the experts. Ministry, according to the scripture in this passage right here, belongs to 
Everyone, we are all called to participate in ministry. In a sense, if someone came to Gospel Hope and asked you the question, who are your ministers? Your first thought should not be, well, it's Pastor Rod and Pastor Ryan. Your first thought, in a sense, should be, it's all of us. We're all ministers. We're all called to do the work of the ministry. Now, if a guest comes to Gospel Hope and asks you the question, who are your ministers? Don't be a smart aleck and say, well, it's all of us. You know what they're asking there. I'm looking at you, Rick. Listen to me very carefully. Don't say that to anybody. That would be very upsetting to them. You get the idea. We can all do ministry. We're all called to do what Christ has equipped us for. Look, Ashley is called to help people grow in the gospel. Glenda is called to help people grow as a family. Lawrence is called to help people grow on mission. And insert your name in there. Let me put it very succinctly. Ministry is the responsibility of all, not the privilege of a few. Ministry belongs to all of us. We are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So let's be a group of people who takes personal responsibility for the mission of the church. Rather than simply thinking, I hope Ryan ministers to me this morning. By the way, don't hold your breath on that. You should also be thinking, I hope Ryan equips me this morning so I can minister to other people this week. You see the shift in mindset there? It's all of a sudden taking ownership because you say these gifts are given for the equipping of the saints so that the saints, that's me and you and average believers everywhere, can do the work of the ministry. Let's move on from being passive to participating. Let's move on from being onlookers at ministry to owners of ministry. That's a paradigm shift that we all need to embrace. We need to remain with Christ's strategy. And that strategy is that the saints do the work, not just the professional Christians. Number three, rest in Christ's success. So then, uh, once we begin actively engaging in ministry this way, and I, I hope you do, I mean, what a wonderful example of the power of the gospel, Gospel Hope Church would be if all of us were saying, I'm a minister. It's my responsibility to carry out the mission of the church. When you start to do that, how do we know that we are succeeding? Or if I could put it another way, what's a win? How do we know that we're advancing the ball? How do we know that we are winning? Fortunately for this passage, it not, fortunately in this passage, we're not only told what we should do, but also what will happen when we do it. I'm going to briefly outline three measures of success that we will see when we rightly pursue Christ's mission. His mission will go forward. And here are the results of it when we begin to really embrace our role in it. The first thing is this unity. Look at verse number 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. So the first thing we should see in a healthy group of believers is unity, specifically unity of the faith and of the knowledge of God's Son. In other words, we should be growing deeper together in our understanding of who God is and how he is at work in our life. We should be growing both in our head knowledge, our knowledge of the scripture and who God has revealed himself to be, but also in our experiential knowledge. We should be knowing Christ personally. 
in this sense, we should all look like tour guides. Have you ever been on some sort of tour where you had a really excellent guide? The, the really skilled ones begin to point out interesting things that you hadn't noticed yourself or wouldn't notice on your own. And then at the end of the tour, the, the, the group has not only learned some facts, but they've actually experienced those facts together. This is how we should be as ministers to others. We should be giving them a guided tour of who Christ is and how he is at work. Oh, look over here at this passage of scripture and how the Lord has blessed my life through that. Maybe the Lord can bless your life through that passage in the same way that he has blessed me. And oh, look over here at this truth. And oh, hear this testimony over here of this sister who struggled with this area of sin. And oh, look at how God has proven faithful in this area of my life and how that lines up with this passage of scripture. We should be functioning as tour guides to other believers just showing them the rope. And at the end of the day, after we've gone on that tour together, guess what? We've grown in unity because we know the same things and we've grown in the same things and begin to experience even the same things together. Oh, would to God that as people come and begin to connect with Gospel Hope Church, they would see a bunch of seasoned, wise, excellent tour guides who want to tell them about who the Savior is what his character is like, and how they have personally experienced him at work in their life. But that's not the only result when we begin to really embrace God's mission. The second thing is this, we will also see maturity. Look at verse 13 again. Growing into maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. In other words, over time, believers will actually become more and more like Jesus and less and less susceptible to the lies and deceit of the world. That's what this passage is saying. You will grow up into maturity. You won't be tossed to and fro by the lies and deceits of the devil. And actually, you'll begin to look more like the fullness of Jesus himself. In this sense, the church should be filled with sculptors. Well, here's what I mean. We should all kind of have our chisels and hammers and looking at one another and slowly helping one another knock off bits of us that don't look like the Savior. Oh, that... That area of speech, that doesn't look like Jesus. Oh, that thought process, that doesn't look like Jesus. And we're encouraging one another. We're chiseling, gently knocking off little pieces and bits of us that don't reflect the fullness of Christ, what this passage says here. And in time, what happens, the church increasingly, accurately reflects the image of Christ himself so that people come to Gospel Hope Church. People interact with the church family and begin to say, oh, that's what Jesus looked like. I see him in you. We should be growing up into maturity together. Our desire for our church is not only that you or I increasingly look like Jesus, but that all of us, when increasingly accurately reflect the image of Christ. Let's be a church where maturity is happening because we are helping one another to reflect the image of Christ in our lives. Third, dependency. Look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow up in every way into him who is the head Christ. From him, the whole body, 
fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for the building itself up in love by proper working of each individual part. Here, Paul employs the common New Testament imagery of the body. And notice the sense of independence, interdependence that the parts are to have on one another. This is so much so that it says that the body actually grows when each part is working properly together. Here's the simple implication. We need each other. Uh, There's an old adage around the church world that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. In other words, there's a lot of body parts that are not pulling their weight. May Gospel Hope Church be a place that completely defies that trend. Let us strive to be a people who are both dependable and dependent. That is, may our lives say, hey, you can count on me and I know I can count on you. And as we are pursuing Christ's mission together, that sense of dependency and dependability increases in the church. Our hand and our arm coordinate more and more effectively. Our foot and our leg grow in their coordination together. We want to be a church that is increasingly healthy, increasingly knowing that we can depend on one another. That's part of the signs of a healthy church who is really pursuing the mission of Christ in the world. Have you ever seen a highly skilled athlete? You know, somebody who has honed their craft well. Because their whole body is functioning as it should, they make extremely difficult movements look effortless. Let it be said of gospel hope that each part is functioning as it ought and therefore the whole body is thriving. And we're able to do some wonderful and amazing things because we have a commitment that each part of the body is going to do its work and we are dependent on one another as we should be. So where does this all leave us? What can we do to fully embrace the mission to which we have been called? Let me, like last week, offer three suggestions around our mission statement. I just want to give three very practical statements that really reflect our mission. So the first thing is this. We want to grow upward. We want to grow in the gospel. As you might know, this week at Gospel Hope is prayer week. That is, our commitment is to really kick off every year with an expression of our need for and dependence upon the Lord. We just want to scream as the calendar year begins, Lord, we need you. And we would encourage you to join us. Here's what we're going to be doing through prayer week. Let me outline it for you briefly. Today at 3 p.m. we'll be gathering right here for a time of worship and prayer. I hope everybody will join us for that here at the church facility. We're going to be singing praises to God and seeking his face. Monday at 7 p.m. we'll have an online intercessory prayer call. And here's how that's going to work. You'll be able to join a Zoom meeting and drop your prayer request in. You'll be able to receive prayer and give prayer for others. And whether you can drop in for five minutes or the whole time, that doesn't matter. We just love to be a church that is consistently sharing our request and receiving prayer for one another. Tuesday, we'll have a virtual prayer call. And in this prayer call, we are going to be praying for the nations. And here's the exciting bit about that. It's going to be hosted by several of our Gospel Hope 
missionary. So I hope you'll tune in to hear from some of our brothers and sisters that are serving all around the world and pray with them and for them, for the nations that they would come to know and worship at the feet of our Savior. Wednesday, Pastor Rod will be continuing his Equip Online series called Together with God, Habits That Help Us Grow. And this particular lesson will be on prayer. Even if you weren't able to join us this past week, we'd invite you to come and be a part of this on prayer week. That's going to be at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Thursday, we'll be having another virtual prayer time. And this time we're going to be praying for our city and our nation and our church. And oh, if you've been following the news, you know, as always, we are desperately needy for the Lord's intervention into our world and city and in our church. We're going to have some live singing during that gathering. So I hope that you will show up and take some time to pray for our church and our city and our nation. And then Friday, finally, we'll be hosting a watch party of the movie War Room. Some of you may have seen that before. Some of you may have not. But it's just a, a, a movie that encourages us to seek God's face. So what we want to do, you can get specific details about all of these things on the Church Center app or on the Gospel Hope website. A great way for you to grow in your relationship with God, a great way for you to grow in the gospel is by really kicking off this year with prayer. That's a way you can grow in your relationship with the Lord. Can I encourage you, all of us, to attend at least three of these events this week? Just, I know it's busy. I know it takes a commitment. I know your schedules are full. But can we, just at the start of the year, can I encourage every member of the Gospel Hope family to at least be a part of three of those gatherings during the week so that we can really express our need for the Lord and grow in our knowledge and experience of Him. Man, if you want to be there for all of them, we would love to have you, but let's just commit to be a part of at least three of those gatherings. Second thing is this, grow inward as a family. This one's going to be super simple. I've already kind of outlined what's going on this week as a church in prayer week. But I want to also encourage you not just to grow in your relationship with God, but also with your other believers. Can you just do this simple thing? Would you attend one of those gatherings and encourage another brother or sister in Christ to do it with you? Just grow together. Just say, you know what? I'm going to go to the Tuesday night prayer meeting. Would you go along with me so that we can spend some time praying together for the nations? That would be a great practical way for you to grow in your relationship with other believers. Help someone take their next spiritual step. We say that all the time. But if we're going to really own the mission, that has got to be all of our heartbeat and all of our responsibility. We want to help someone take their next spiritual step. Thirdly, we want to grow outward while on mission. Again, this is going to be very simple. I've already encouraged you to attend prayer week. Would you use these times of prayer to specifically begin to pray that someone would come to know the Lord through you this year? Would you pray that you would have boldness? Would you pray for people by names? Would you pray that you would generously give to both local and global missions so that the Lord would use those gifts to make his name known? Would you pray that Gospel Hope would plant churches, send missionaries, and make disciples? Pray that our church would be an answer to the Savior's request. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. May Gospel Hope Church be an answer to that very request. And I think a very fitting 
and appropriate way for us to conclude the sermon this morning is simply to do just that. So what I want to do right now is invite you to pray. We're going to put Matthew 9, 37 up on the screen, and I want to invite you to take a moment with those that are watching with you, um, take a moment and begin to pray that our church corporately and our church family individually would really begin to answer this prayer, that we would answer the call of our Savior to be workers in the harvest field. Oh, as we look at our nation and we look at our world, the harvest is abundant. So pray that we would be workers on God's mission. Just take a moment and pray right now. Oh, Father, would you help our church to embrace the mission that you have called us to do? Would you help us to grow in our relationship with you this year, to grow in our relationship with one another this year, and to grow in our engagement with the Lord? Oh, Lord, would you send us out into your harvest fields? Help us to have a burden to share our faith. Help us to have a, a burden to send and support Help us to have a burden to see the mission multiplied. Oh, Lord, would you use us? Would you do things in us that are great and mighty and that we cannot know? Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you invite us to be involved in what you're doing in the world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.